Last time we talked about the biblical view concerning children. And today uh, we're going to talk about the um, view of pride. What the Bible says about pride, which is absolutely relevant in our culture today. It's absolutely relevant. We should never be ashamed to, to take a stand for Jesus Christ, regardless of what personal cost it might imply or take hold of our life or whatever we face. Our culture is becoming more increasingly separated from biblical truth. And we have to be reminded that we should emphatically and boldly take a stand for Jesus to the greatest degree possible. Thank God that our nation's founders wrote the laws and, 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 and the freedoms that we have today, freedoms such as worship and the freedom to, to speak. And those things are absent from many cultures in the world today. They do not have those freedoms. And, as, and as, there's a growing number of people that seem dissatisfied with, with um, they seem dissatisfied with how our country is and that we're not really, they're really anti-American. But those same people that are saying they're anti-American, I would venture if they would go to someplace else in the globe, they would be much more appreciative of what we actually have. We must do everything within our ability to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is reinforced not only personally in our lives, but as much as possible in our public life as well, in the public arena. Biblical issues matter, and, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we must take every opportunity to uphold the Word of God. There is a spiritual battle that is being waged by the devil, not, not only to try to keep Jesus from being discussed or ever mentioned in the public square or thought of idea, but allow evil to gain acceptance in every area of life and culture. Proverbs 29.2 says, Where when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. We as Americans have the ability to select our leaders by voting. And we have the ability to put people into office who are righteous and who are godly. We have that ability if we will do that. We have the responsibility not only as citizens, but to as Christians to vote for what the Bible says. We must stand on the side of the Bible when it comes to voting about issues which the Bible is very clear about. And in our world today where truth seems elusive and people want to grasp their own personal truth, there are not many personal truths. There is one truth. And, and Fairy Ryder, missionary to Taiwan, put it very well. I, I heard her several years ago. Truth excludes everything else that is false. You can't have your truth and me have my truth about the same thing. Truth is truth is truth, period. There's just one truth. We must stand on the side of the Bible when it comes to voting for candidates and determining where they stand as compared to where the word of God is presents itself any issue or candidate that rejects the truth of the bible should never gain a vote from the follower of jesus christ and i've said this before with inflation and gas prices being at the top of just about every poll of what concerns americans today and they're rightfully concerned about those things i mean you know sometimes our plans have to change based on economic 
concerns and I understand that completely. But standing up for God has nothing to do with economics. It has nothing to do with the price of what we have to pay when we go to the grocery store. It's strictly and only about the Bible, about the Word of God. Our vote should be solely based upon the Word of God and everything else is secondary. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. God will honor His people who will honor Him. And the same cannot be said by those who openly and blatantly endorse sin and those things that are contrary to the Bible. How to vote on the issue of concerning the issue of pride. Pride by definition means this. It means inordinate self-esteem. An unreasonable conceit about one's own superiority in talents, in beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself as lofty airs, distance, reserved, reserve, and often in contempt of others. That really explains a lot of our culture today. It's all about me and what I want and what about the group of people that I'm with, what we want. And we as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, that is not a characteristic that we must embrace because it is clearly spoken against in the word of God. And we're going to talk about what the Bible says about pride. Number one, pride elevates self. Pride elevates self. I want, to, I want to read to you a story that you're probably familiar with out of Genesis chapter 11, verse number one. It says, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone, brick instead of stone for tar and mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves, there it is, ourselves, a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, and I want you to get this, so that we can make a name for ourselves. So that we can make a name for ourselves because it's all about us. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they had begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the face of uh, from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of the whole world from there. The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The primary reason they wanted to build a tower in verse 4 is so that we may make a name for ourselves. Just as their pride Influence them to elevate self-interest. Today, people allow pride also to elevate their own self-interest, not only as individuals, but collectively as a group of individuals. 
Uh, a long time ago, we used to call them cliques. We call them people they gather around themselves. They want to promote their own agenda, their own ideas. Pride is an essential factor when you're looking at a candidate for whom you're going to cast your vote. Are they merely interested in securing more power and influence or are they truly concerned about the people they are supposed to represent? Are they more interested in self, self-preservation, power, or are they interested in the things of God? Pastor, should we really ask these questions? Absolutely. We absolutely should ask these questions. There's a huge contrast This is a huge contrast between Noah's dedication to the Lord and putting him first just a few chapters earlier. And I want to read that to you. Let's look at Noah's example after God provided a way of escape for his family from a sinful world filled with pride and self-indulgence. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 18, as so Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals And all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then what did Noah do? He built an altar to the Lord. The first thing he did was he built an altar to the Lord. And taking some of, all the, some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. So he built an altar and then he offered offering to the Lord. It was a form of worship and a form of praise. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. You get that? Every inclination is evil from childhood. We have to, in order to turn toward God, we have to leave the inclination towards evil. And God's response and his promise was out of putting God first and not self first. Noah could have just as easily come off the ark and said, oh, we made it to dry ground. Let's go forage and, and, and find a place for a house. Let's go find some food. Let's go do this. But no, his first action was to build an altar and offer sacrifices on the altar to the Lord. And the Lord issued that promise. In spite of the inclination that we all have to lean toward evil, Noah put God first. When he and his family left the ark, he made an altar. It was a pleasing aroma. And God made this covenant with Noah. And we can see that covenant on a regular basis. Chapter 9, verse 12. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant For some generations, no, a covenant for all generations to come. That includes us. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind 
Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. So when you see God's seven color rainbow, and that's important, God's seven color rainbow, because some rainbows don't have seven colors. God's seven-color rainbow in the sky. Remember God's covenant with Noah. The animals and everyone living, regardless of what our inclination is to do wrong, God will never bring about global judgment by means of a flood again. So we know that pride elevates self, but pride also brings destruction. Pride also brings destruction. Number two, pride also brings destruction. Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty or a blatant or proud spirit before a fall. What this means is that when the path of pride and elevation of self is taken, it will always lead to destruction. The path of pride will lead to the infiltration of the emotions and the spirit that the, and, and, and that person in that person and it will cause them to fall. They may fool some people sometimes, but there will be a moment where there will be a reckoning and they will come to a destructive path. The path of pride will, will lead them there. Why would anyone choose to go down the path of pride when they know that it will bring destruction? It's because of what we read. The inclination of the human heart is always towards wrong and self Elevation. It's all about what I want. I'm currently in my personal Bible reading in the book of Jeremiah. And I was reading this morning about how Jeremiah uh, told the people. He said, you know, they had been uh, they, they had been inhabited and, and taken over by the Babylonians. And and uh, Jeremiah told the people, don't go to Egypt. This is what the Lord's telling you. He waited 10 days to deliver this message. The people said, what does the Lord say? And so Jeremiah sought the Lord, and I believe it was 10 days later, he came back and he said, this is what the Lord says. Don't go to Egypt, because if you go there, you're going to have famine, war, you're going to have all this stuff. And But you need to stay here. Serve the Babylonians, and God will look after you. He will care for you. And the people, and, but Jeremiah said this, but you won't do that. I'm paraphrasing here. He says, but you're not going to do what the Lord's telling you to do. And they rose up and they said, no, we're not going to do that. We've been offering these offerings to the queen of heaven and everything was going great. And then everything's bad. So we need to go over here and do that. And Jeremiah says, do you know why things are bad? Things are bad because God was fed up with you offering these sacrifices to another God. And so it's a, it's a sad story about that. But they were interested in self. They were interested in what I want. And they rejected what God wanted. Pride. Um, number three, pride seeks to displace God and his authority. Pride seeks to displace God and his authority. There's a city, a capital city named Tyre, uh, which was in Phoenicia, and it was a wealthy city. They had a great fleet of merchant ships. They were the commercial center 
of their world at the time, Ezekiel was instructed by the Lord to give a message to the king of Tyre. And in Ezekiel 28, verse 1, this is what Ezekiel says. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre. This is what the Lord says. In the pride of your heart, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God. Though you think you are as wise as a God, are you wiser than Daniel? It is, is no secret hidden from you. By your wisdom and understanding, you have gained wealth for yourself and amassed gold and silver in your treasuries. But your, your great skill in trading, you, but your great skill, but your great skill in trading, you have increased, by your great skill in trading, you have increased your wealth. And because of your wealth, your heart has grown proud. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, because you think you are wise, as wise as a God, I am going to bring foreigners against you to, most to the most ruthless of nations. They will draw their swords against you, your beauty and wisdom, and pierce your shining splendor. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death. That's a pretty severe pronouncement. All because of pride. The king of Tyre seemed to be in a good place. He had wealth. He had status. He had everything. He, everything was going well. His inclination towards sin caused him to elevate himself and to displace God. Uh, his deity, God, his deity and authority, and God would let him know that there is only one true God. There is only one true God. And your pride will lead you to a violent death. This is a clear picture today of people and their affinity or their leaning towards sin that will cause them to dismiss and displace God in their lives. His deity and authority because of pride. Because what they want to do is what the, uh, what the Old Testament or what the New Testament says that they want, to, uh, they want to take, gather around themselves teachers who will teach them what they really want to hear. I don't want to agree with what the Bible says, so I'm going to find somebody who's going to affirm me and somebody who's going to go along this uh, journey in my own self-indulgence and self-pride away from God so that I don't have to hear things I don't agree with. And our culture is full of that today. It is full of that today. I don't want to be around people that don't agree with me. And I want to do everything I can to cancel those people. And just in case there may be some who are not aware or who aren't on social media or who, who haven't kept up with these things, there are groups of people today that if they find out that you don't agree with them and it's a biblical issue, they do their best to try to destroy your reputation. They try to destroy everything about you. Um, they go, if you're in business, they try to go after people you're in business with and said, look at this person. 
and they believe this, and it may be based on the Bible, but against what they believe, and they will try to do damage monetarily, economically, um, emotionally. And there are people that are afraid to speak out because they think they might offend somebody who's going to cancel them. But I'm here today to tell you that as long as we are standing on the word of God, as long as we are using the Bible as our basis, then we should not be afraid to stand and be counted and stand up for the truth, not only personally, but in our conversation. Now, where the real thing comes, where the rubber comes to meet the road is how will you respond? Because the world responds with hatred. There, there's tolerance as long as you agree with me. But if you don't agree with me, I refuse to be tolerant and I'm going to be hateful. But we're called to deal with people in love. We're called to have peace. Not only in our relationships with our friends, but in relationships with those who may do, want to do us harm. And it's hard to do. I get it. It's hard to do. The devil wants to try to do his best to keep you stirred up on the inside and keep your focus off the Bible. Somebody said, well, I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind and I'll ask for forgiveness later. Why don't you just ask the Lord to help you work through that? Because some things that we might think are better left unsaid. Oh, praise the Lord. Um, Everything's going great. I'm surrounded by like-minded like-minded people. That's that's what some people will say. I really don't need God. I'm the God of my own life. I'm in charge and I don't need to listen to others or God. That's really what's going on in our culture today. By and large, we've seen this also take place in within our government and within some government officials, those who would actively seek to displace God and replace with self-interest, which brings about destructive results to the people over which they are supposed to be responsible and they're supposed to care for. Some people will say, well, this is my story and I'm going to say this so I can be put in or so I can keep power. And then when I when I get put into place that I'm just going to abandon what I just told you, there's a word for that in the Bible and it's called liar. I'm just being I'm just being blunt and truthful. It is. If you do something different than what you said you were going to do, then that you're a liar. That's pretty much it. Psalm 10.4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. The person who is intent on evil doesn't have a place for God. Now they may have a place for who they call God. I was troubled just last week. When I saw this, and folks, this is something that was unimaginable just a half a generation ago. There are churches, and I use that term loosely, churches that invite open, openly blatant sinners into their congregation. Elevating them to a place of reverence and respect, inviting other people to come along this journey of pride and self-interest and, and sinful behavior 
that's really what they want. And it's just sad and it's wrong. It's sad. I, I'm, I'm going to give more detail than I just did because I, don't, I want to make sure that you grasp this. How many know what, uh, when someone dresses in drag, what that means? How many of you know that? So it's, it's a man that dresses in a woman's outfit. And I saw a video of someone who brought an individual that was dressed in drag into a church with children around and saying, this is an example that we want to hold up to you guys. Talking about in a church service. That's supposed to be. And sadly, in a church that 50, 70, 100 years ago was on fire for God. Yeah. And no longer are because they have caved to pride and self-indulgence and self uh, just inclination toward evil that's what the devil seeks to elevate those that go down the path of pride have been deceived and it has brought destruction they allowed their leaning towards sin and opinions of others in their inner circle and desire for authority to internalize pride and arrogance this continued cycle of elevating themselves in their own minds to the place to the place uh, uh, of themselves as gods in their own destiny is designed to perpetuate as long as it, as it, as it is allowed to do so. When people are, are made aware of just how pride has taken control of their lives, they may think they're in control. But once they have ceded that control over to the devil and, and the pride and the inclination towards sin, then he leads them down that pathway and they think they're in control again. How many know that there are addicts that are, uh, that are dealing with very real physical and chemical issues? There are alcoholics. I've known them personally that that loved the Lord, but they just were held by addiction. And that addiction takes them further than they ever intended to go. And it never started that way. And sin is that way. They, it's an addiction. Pride is an addiction. Self-interest uh, 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 self is an addiction. Where we just are interested in what we want. And when people realize that they're realize that pride has taken over them and they realize that and, and they get the message of Jesus Christ that there's only one true God and love through Jesus Christ and when they realize that they would absolutely go back and they would change that if they could they would say how wrong was I to have gone into that and all of us can truly say that when we've been in those depths of sin and when we've been in those things that are that are wrong in our past and we look at it with a perspective and, and somebody says hindsight is twenty twenty, and we look back at our lives and says, I never would have made those decisions that caused so much pain and hurt, even though at the time I felt like they were good decisions. I would go back and they would change. They would lament over allowing pride to push God to the side. <laughs> 
They regret not making room for God at the time. But how many know that we serve a God of second chances? And when He wipes our sin away, He wipes it away completely, never to be remembered against us again. The devil wants to go back and he wants to say, look at all the bad stuff that you did. And you can say, well, devil, I don't have to look back there because it's been wiped away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have to look forward to what my life is in Jesus Christ. Anyone who says they they do not regret making room for God. If they look back in their lives and they don't and they say, I don't regret it. I'm content where I am. One day they will regret not making room for God. It's a powerful reminder of how not to let take let pride take control of our lives as well. And here's the charge in the Bible that will serve as solid instruction on how not to let the human nature and the leaning towards sin that leads to pride. In 1 John 2.15, it says this. I apologize, I didn't have the reference on there. This is 1 John 2.15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust, of the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So this prideful desire, this prideful desire comes from the world. But those are all going to pass away. And the only thing that will last is what comes from God. And when we do the will of God, we live forever. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. And I just want to sidebar for just a moment because there are some people, and, and this is very important, and I want you to hear this. There are some people that have problems I'm talking about Christian people that have problems accepting other people that are in the midst of sin. Sometimes people within our own families, sometimes people that we don't agree with. And the devil will use this as ammunition. I believe that as, as followers of Jesus Christ, and there's, there's a lot that's running through my mind right now, so bear with me. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, judge not lest ye be judged. And there are people that want to justify their life choices and think they're doing okay and they don't want anyone to challenge them about their life choices that are ungodly and unscriptural. And they have used that verse and said, well, if you're a Christian... The Bible says, judge not, lest ye be judged. You're not supposed to judge me. But that's not what the 
verse means, if you read the whole context, it says, judge not lest ye be judged, because if you're not careful, that same judgment's going to come back to you. So what that means is that we have to make sure that we are pure and right with God before we make any determination about anybody else. And if we're not careful, how many's ever, you know, there are people in here who's been in church a long time. Some of you have. How many know that you've ever heard the term, hate the sin, love the sinner? Yeah. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Yep. But in many instances, that issue gets cloudy because we get into the phase of judging people based on what we see and we know about the Bible and we use that dislike for the sin and it bleeds over into our conversation about dislike so much that we put it so forcefully back to the individual that they feel that it is a dislike for them. You following me? We have to be very careful in our word choices and in our demeanor that we are putting forth the message of love in that context. And if somebody asks you what you think or what you feel about a certain activity, something that they wouldn't call a sin, but you know is, how do you feel about that and what do you think about that? It's irrelevant. I mean, no, it's irrelevant what we think or what we feel. Yep. What's relevant is what does the book say? Yep. I wasn't going to share this, but this has been a really different week for me. Um, I served on jury duty this week. And um, it was not a pleasant experience. But when questioned... I was asked the question because the jurors, the potential jurors are interviewed to find out, can you be objective? Can you be fair? And I was asked the question, um, what if you feel a certain way about this or a certain way about that? Are you able to separate how you feel with what is presented? And my response was how I feel and my outlook is irrelevant. What's relevant is what is presented. What the facts are, that's relevant. My feelings are not relevant. Same true. This is relevant. How we feel. And sometimes we struggle with our feelings. Sometimes we struggle with how we speak. And when we encounter somebody who's different than us, somebody who may have made different choices, just remember there's a soul. There's a soul that's right there that needs the Lord. My grandpa also preached a message one time um, that, you know, people, people might not like us to judge them, but God called us to be fruit inspectors. Inspect the fruit. Yep, 
What fruit is on their lives from the word of God? So we have to reach out in love, regardless of how we think or how we feel. We have to reach out in love. Not imposing our ideas, but just love. People don't need to be preached at. They just need to be shown love and that, they, that we care. First John 3.16, I think I read it a while ago. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then John 3.16, we know it for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Trusting exclusively in Jesus alone will cause us to put our human affinity towards sin under the authority of the one true God under his deity and under his authority. When Jesus is the, is the Lord of our lives, we allow him to be elevated in our life. And when Jesus is elevated in our life, then pride and selfishness will not be elevated. Pride and selfishness goes to the wayside when we elevate Jesus Christ because he is none of those things. When Jesus is the Lord of our life, then we will, we will, we will not desire then you will not desire to be the God of your own life. You're not going to be desired. Well, I'm going to be in charge of my own life. How would it be that if we asked the Lord? I heard uh, Robert Morris preach a message uh, here a while back, and he said, uh, he said there was a man in his church that um, was, uh, he, he prayed just about everything, and he was sitting on the bed one morning, and he was wondering, um, he was wondering, which car he should take because he needed to go by the hospital and see somebody and he didn't know if he had enough time to come back home and get grab his company vehicle and, and do that in enough time. So he didn't know if he needed to take his personal vehicle or his company vehicle. And his wife didn't think anything about it because she's, he's just sitting on the bed just praying about which car to take. And some people are thinking, that seems extreme. Just pick one and go. Um, but he felt like he should take his company car. And he took his company car on the way to where he was going on the highway. It was early in the morning, I think about four o'clock in the morning. There was a car that was racing, racing fast and rear-ended him. And he was there and stopped in the highway. And he, his first reaction was, get out and see if the other guy's okay. And he heard this voice said, don't get out. Don't get out. And um, the other guy was actually a murderer that was running from police. He took his company car that day and he had some injuries to his back. And uh, Marie, you can appreciate this. His personal injury on his personal vehicle was $25,000 but the company had over a million dollars. All of that was used for his recovery. God can give you absolute direction when you put him in charge. When the Lord Jesus is Lord of your life, then pride cannot take root and bring about destruction because Jesus defeated, defeated him. 
when Jesus is Lord of your life, then you won't be desire you won't desire to be the God of your life. We started this message on the topic of how to vote concerning pride, and I'm just about to finish this message today. Folks, we must take action this election. Every election is important. It is our right as citizens, and it is a powerful right that is not enjoyed by many people in the globe today. How we vote on candidates based on how, how prideful and self-interest, uh, the, the self-interest that they have is, is critical. The examples that were given in the Bible, it is critical and essential. You can look at those stories of, ex of examples of how people behaved as Christians, we want to be clear that we cannot support anyone who will be in, in favor of implementing godless philosophies, self-interest and power and authority that will undermine the truths of God's word. How can you know when pride is not in the forefront of a candidate? Listen to what they say. Go to their website. Look at what they've written. What do they say about themselves? I rarely look at opponents ads about the other guy. Yeah. I want to hear what the person says about themselves. Amen. And you know, when you tell the truth, you don't have to think about what you've said. You don't have to really think about it. It's just it just it just comes out because if you don't tell the truth, then at some point it's going to be it's going to be found out. Do they have a servant's heart? Do they have a servant's heart? We should absolutely support those candidates who are serving in a selfless manner, who will stand for the truths of the Bible. And I want to challenge you to print off a sample ballot. And if you can't do that, let me know. I'll help you do that. You can print off a sample ballot. Pray. Pray. Get informed and pray. Just like the guy that made the decision about the car. I was so, you know, back, telling my age now, but back when I started to vote, we didn't have computers. I mean, they had one in my, they had one in the school that, that you could go to and learn word processing. But that was about it. There weren't personal computers in people's homes unless you were rich. I'd never seen one. Uh, except at the school, you know, in the office and then, in, but, um, Never seen one in somebody's house. And so I would go to vote. I'm 18. I can go to vote now. And I would go vote. And I would look at this ballot and I'm thinking, I don't know who any of these people are. Now, maybe the president, I knew who was running for the president, but all these other judges and all that kind of stuff had no idea. And so when we had the ability, of course, I probably had the ability then. I just didn't know it. I just didn't think about it. Going down to the election office, they probably have given me a sample ballot. But, you know, that's a trip. But it is so convenient. Technology has made it easy today. We can go in and we can print off a sample ballot. Every time we go to vote, I have a printed sample ballot or I have a picture of it on my phone. And I've got it pre-marked because I know exactly what I'm going to do when I go in there. And I just got tired of going to vote time after time. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Well, they have a name that sounds pretty good. I'll go with that one. You know, we have to be informed. We need to vote. We need to vote the Bible. I know that pride is a big issue. And um, sometimes it can take root inside of each of our lives. If we're not careful, we can succumb to selfishness and pride and exclude others.
maybe there's something in this message today that speaks to your heart about not just voting, but but about the check on the inside that we we have where we say, Lord, help me not to be like that. Help me to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Help me to have the resolve to be a servant and to serve others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. And Lord, as, as this election season is upon us, there's less than two weeks until time for us to vote or about two weeks. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because you have entrusted us with this responsibility. Lord, wherever pride rears its head, we come against that in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would just let us be guided by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want pride to even crop up in our own lives and wherever it has and whatever has gone on. We ask, Lord, that you would just allow us to come close to the cross again. Let us come closer to you than we've ever been before and let us trust you. We thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. For those of you who are joining us online, I'm going to have a special prayer for you. And those here in the house, whatever you need prayer for, we're going to pray. If you need prayer for healing, deliverance, if you have struggled with pride, God's here to touch you. But for those of you online, we're going to pray right now. Father, those who have joined us online today, we ask God for a supernatural touch. Those that are needing healing, those that are needing deliverance, those that are needing your touch in whatever area, Lord, if it's physical, spiritual, emotional, we ask God that you would touch them completely and thoroughly in the name of Jesus. We ask God that you would just touch them right now as we call on you and present them to you. We thank you for it. We praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. It endures all the days of our life, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.